This week, Brother Brzezinski teaches a lesson on 1 Corinthians 11, titled Symbols of Submission. But I do want to... I do want to say about Brother Lopez, I appreciate Brother Lopez, I appreciate this class, I appreciate our pastor, you know, we don't have to be here, we don't, our pastor doesn't have to let us come up here, that's a privilege that he allows us to have to be up here, and I'm very thankful for that, and I'm thankful for Brother Lopez, you know, there, there's one thing I will say about Brother Lopez's leadership, he's not afraid to give other people room to exercise their gifts and talents and not every man does that not every leader builds leaders like that and that's something that I I want to take away wherever I go I, that's something I want to emulate about brother Lopez and and I and I want to just at the outset thank you brother Kilman for everything you've shared to help me with this lesson and just everything you've poured into my life in general Corinthians 11 is about does anybody know any apostolic? Yeah, you probably know. It's, it's the it's the hair, it's the hair chapter. As apostolics affectionately call it, the hair chapter. Which that's not really a good name for it, but that's like what it, we've come to know it by. This is the chapter where we get the hair thing. But what is Corinthians 11 really about? Is it really about hair? Is it about veils? Well, what it's really about is neither in a certain way. It's about God's created order. That's the context of this chapter. Now, I um, just want to give one comment on commentaries before I get started. And, you know, as an apostolic, sometimes we can get discouraged because we go to commentaries and we read things that are repeatedly in contradiction to what we believe. And 1 Corinthians 11 is particularly bad because you get something like this, which I have, Leon Morris is the commentary I'm quoting from here, but at the end of his commentary on this chapter, he says, the principle is of permanent validity, but we may well feel that its application to the contemporary scene need not yield the same result. That's a fancy way to say, this, this doesn't apply to us. Everything you just read, just disregard it for the most part. Yeah, there's, there's a vague principle there that is applicable some way, I'm sure, but for the most part, doesn't apply to us. Now, I just want to ask you as, like, God-fearing, Holy Ghost-filled people, smell that for a second. Like, does that pass the smell test? Like, like Paul goes through all this stuff, and then he just, but he really just was talking to those certain people for that certain day, and doesn't apply to us. Does that, does that even smell right, or does that smell a little fishy to you? Because that smells fishy to me. It just smells a little fishy. So there's three fallacies that I just want to mention that are here in 1 Corinthians 11. One is that these verses are primarily about veils. Okay, that's one thing that people will say. It's just about veils. That's the covering. And another thing people will say is that this was specific only to Corinthian culture. That is another argument that they will give. And another one is that, okay... Let's just say for, for we'll, we'll concede the point that it's not about veils, that it is about hair. Um, but, you know, long hair, uh, w that just means long hair. You can, you can cut it, you can trim it. As long as it fits the de definition of long, you're in good shape. So these are three things that I want to address as we go through these verses. And I want to title this Symbols of Submission. Amen. So <laughs> what is the context of this chapter? 
because a lot of what the commentaries rely on, if I can just, they kind of take the Greek and they, they do funny things with it. Uh, but the context is really the final arbiter of truth, okay? So let's just read the, con- let's just read the chapter like, like we can read English and just look at the context. And we'll get a lot farther down the road to the true meaning than a lot of really smart Greek people. Or Greek people who know Greek really well. The historical context. Many, many, many places that I've read the historical context in this commentary, that commentary, they try to do things with it and say, all Grecian women wore veils, or they, they, try, to be, they try to be a little cookie cutter with the historical context and say, because Grecian women wore veils and it was not right for them to be in public without veils, that's what Paul is talking about. Case closed. Um, but, but the reality is quite different. And I'm quoting from the book, Why a Study on Christian Standards, which I have had borrowed out of this room for like three years. I'm returning it tonight, so you can, you can check that out from the back later. It'll be available for your use. But it says on page 48 that the only conclusion, and he cites where he's getting this from, but they, they conclude that the only conclusion that can be clearly made is that the customs were mixed. And that makes sense if you consider that uh, this was a Greek city, later colonized by the Romans, big commerce city, lot, it was a port city, lots of travel, lots of merchants. How could we just do a cookie cutter thing and say this applies to just this culture or just, it was a very diverse city. So it's not, it's an assumption to, to say that, well, this is a fully Greek church, it's a fully Roman church, and veils equals eels, no, veils equals decency, and no veils equal indecency. It's not that simple because Corinth was very diverse in culture. Now, I don't, we don't know, like, what questions prompted 1 Corinthians 11. We just don't, but given my opinion, and I have sources for this, that it was a very diverse culture, perhaps... This is conjecture, but perhaps the question was something like this. Our culture, where so this is the question that may have been presented to Paul, right? What do we do? We've got all these different kind of customs in the church. Some people wear veils. Some people cut their hair. We've got these heathen priestesses disheveling their hair in their worship. What do we do? It may have been a question as simple as that, as we've got a, a multitude of things going on here. Paul, help us out. I think that's my opinion. I think that's more of what the question was probably like. Let's get into the the verses, okay? Uh, The scriptural context. Now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of every woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. So this is just a little picture to help us out of what this is saying. And the Bible uses the word head I think you could also look at that as, you know, source would be a good word. I think Brother, Brother Kilman, you would agree. I originally wanted to give Brother Kilman a microphone so he could just jump in and interject, but I think he, he ignored my request, so I feel like he wanted me to do this by myself. But, you know, head, authority, source, I think the meaning is right in there, right? Okay? And, and this is kind of the, the hierarch, hierarchy might be the wrong word, but this is God's created order that he's laying out. This is God's order of creation. There's something to this created order. And whatever the question was that prompted this, Paul doesn't say, this is what you do with your hair. Paul says, let's, let's take a step back. Let's think about this. 
let's think about what, what the real issues are here. The real issues here is not precisely hair, not precisely veils. Not the real issue here is, let's take a step back. This is God's created order. And so the very fact that he's appealing to that tells you something. The fact that he's appealing to the created order, he's not saying, well, look, here, here's what we need to look at. If in your culture, does Paul say, if in your culture this is what's happening, I would, I would advise you to follow the principle of do not offend your brother. No, he doesn't invoke that principle. He invokes the principle of this is what God set out from creation. So that would indicate to me that whatever we're talking about is not for that culture, but it's applicable to anybody who's created. Okay? So what are, are we saying that man's the boss? I just like, I just like to, re- whenever we talk about God's created order, submission, I like to kind of put it more into context. And I love this quote from Brother Poitras from this book. Submission in a biblical context. Submission is, submission is bringing yourself under the protection of another. I, I like that definition of thinking about authority. We get blessings. Anointing and blessing and protection flows downward from God through his authority structure. Amen? We get that because we have Brother Kilman teaching it to us. I'm thankful for that, that understanding. So before we get to here, Paul's point was we need to look at the created order. The context is creation, not just Corinth. So this is applicable to all human peoples. Right, Zach? All humans. We go on with getting what Paul's talking about in uh, verse 4. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. So this tells me that there's something about the physical head, there's something about what we do on our physical head that symbolizes our relationship to that hierarchy or that order of creation, right? Because every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, he's kind of using that metaphor, right? But we're dishonoring our spiritual head. Uh, going on to 1 Corinthians, let's just recap. I think there's a lot here. There's, there's a lot here. And if you guys will promise to hang with me, I'll try to just make it as plain as I can. Um, because this is, I'll be honest with you, this is something that I was not super clear on when I, when I came to this chapter and began reading. And Brother Kilman, you've taught so well, but I'm just that kind of stubborn guy where I want to get it for myself. I want to study it out for myself and see, okay, is this really what this means? Is this really what this means? And unfortunately, when you try to study this out, you've got a lot of bad liberal commentaries that I think, after doing more research, truly twist Greek words outside of the just plain context of this chapter. I digress. Uh, 11.3, the head of every man is Christ, the head of every woman. Okay, so what are we saying? The context is creation. That's, that's the big picture here, created order. And there's something about what we do with our head. That's all we've gotten to so far. Something about the physical head has a symbolic tie to the created order and, and our relationship to that created order. Good so far? Okay. I want to read another quote from this book. Uh, it says, This chapter deals with the spiritual reality which is represented by the length of one's hair. Since Christians cannot afford to discount or ignore the significance of the symbol of hair, or or they can't, to do so is to disregard that for which the symbol stands. 
That's, that is good. Do symbols matter? Does that invoke anything to you? This man who got this tattoo on the back of his neck, do symbols, you would say symbols do matter. They do represent things. And, and the symbol of hair does matter. Uh, and specifically hair does matter. This quote comes from 1927 and this lady said this of getting her hair cut short in a bob. She said, bobbed hair is a state of mind and not merely a new manner of dressing my head. Bobbed hair belongs to the age of freedom, frankness, and progressiveness. I mean, I don't think that she was reading Corinthians 11 to get that revelation. I think that there's just kind of something instinctive from the way God made us that we, there's something about our hair in the 60s when people wanted to display rebellion, hair was, a, was part of that expression. There's just something, I think, instinctive where people, they just kind of know that there's a spiritual uh, symbolism with the hair that they wear. What does Zach's hair say? Everybody, let's, let's throw out some words. No, I'm just kidding. Don't, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no, don't do that. Uh, verse 4, every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonored his head. What is the cover? That's a good question. If we look at this verse, every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, what is the cover? Is this just a veil? How do we know it's not a veil? How do we know it's hair? Legitimate question. Fair question. Jewish priests in the Old Testament, Exodus 28 and 4, you can look it up, they were commanded to wear something on their head when they were engaging in worship. So one thing I'd like to ask is... Why would God command something in the Old Testament to be worn if the Old Testament is a foreshadowing? They walked out in the flesh, the things we do in the Spirit. So if the Old Testament is a foreshadowing of what we're walking out in the Spirit, why would God command his priests to cover their heads and then later say that for a man to cover his head is wrong? I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. So that's one strike against the veil issue. There's more though. Like, like the blatant and obvious verse that we'll get to in a second. Verse 5, But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, what does uncovered mean? Dishonoreth her head. For that is even all as if she were shaven. So what is uncovered? If she's not going to wear a veil, she may as well shave her head? Does that make sense? I, I don't... Let's, let's keep looking. And this is the verse that really just makes it super clear that we're not talking about a veil. We're talking about hair as the covering or the uncovering. This is later in the chapter, but I'm jumping ahead to make this point. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. For her hair is given her for a covering. Now, if you can, I mean, can you take the English and make that mean something other than it says? For her hair is given her for a covering. Because they try to do it in the Greek. <laughs> but, but I'll just I'll quote this again. Uh, this book again. The Greek preposition anti, anti is translated for in the verse in the phrase her hair is given her for a covering. The literal meaning of anti is instead of. So that would then read her hair is given her instead of a veil or a covering. Uh, this is confirmed by Gingrich, and he names multiple lexicons and all of this kind of thing. 
moving on. Um, verse 5. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head. For that is even all as if she were shaved. Hair is the covering. Okay? Now, verse 6. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. This is, this is what... I, this helped me. Okay? Because you can... You can manipulate that verse a little bit, but let's read it again, slowly, and think about what this is saying. Because this is slightly tricky. For if the woman be not covered, so between covered and uncovered, this is kind of what Paul's saying. If she's not covered, which would mean she's uncovered, if it be a shame for her, uh, I'm sorry, let her also be shorn. But if it be a woman... But, but if it be a woman, but if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. So what this is saying is if you're going to go as far as be uncovered, you may as well shave it. And, and people try to do weird things with this, but this visual helps me understand it. Because this is really what we're looking at here. If you're going to go as far as being uncovered, you may as well be shaven. Okay? I'm going to read these verses quickly, not comment on these much. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Now just today I was listening to... uh, some guy talk about he was like making this really really weird explanation about what this verse means based on rooms in ancient times and how they how they'd look in the room and see it was biz- I'm like for real for real like this guy is pretty intelligent and this is what he's coming up with but if you look at this within the context of God's created order this makes perfect sense it's not strange it's not like out of place this is exactly what we might expect if Somebody needs to be covered to be in God's created order. This, what is this power? It's not, it's not, I I don't want to comment on what teachings there may be about this, okay? I've heard, I've heard things. This is not dunamis power. This is exousia power, which is more about the power that comes from jurisdiction or something granted by a higher power. This is the power that comes from being in, in alignment, Brother Kilman, with authority. That is the power that we're talking about. So this makes perfect sense in the context of what we're talking about. Not coming out of left field, not bizarre, not goofy. We don't need to be goofy. It's just what I think this is saying is just simply when you're in proper alignment to authority, there's a spiritual world, there's God's angels, there's demonic spirits, that's, there's a spiritual reality to this world. But if you are in the proper alignment, if you're in submission, you're eligible for the protection, right? Anointing, power, protection flows downward from being in proper alignment. Okay, proper alignment, improper alignment. Let's not be improperly aligned, amen. Verse 11, Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, right? Not don't want to look at anybody in particular. I don't okay, look, we're going to move on. Neither is the woman without the man and the Lord, for as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. 
Verse 14, doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame to him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. Okay, so for slow learners like myself, I need to, and on a day like today, I need to recap. So recap number one, veils are not the covering being referred to because, can anybody help me out? Why, why do we know veils are not what is being referred to as the covering? Verse 15, very, very clearly states it. The principle of hair covering applies universally because it's not just a Corinthian culture, but it's a universal, universal principle because, anybody? Yes, sir. Now, this is the last point I said that I wanted to make. This is the last point I wanted to make. What is long hair? What is long hair? How do we define the long hair? If, if it's a shame for a man to have long hair, but it's a glory for a woman to have long hair, what is long hair? How do we define it? I would agree that whatever it is, it's the same for both. I'm okay with that. Um, so what is it? And I want to, this is a resource Brother Kilman gave me, a guy by the name of uh, Brown is his last name. He's a PhD at, I forget where, over in Ohio. And I, I love this statement that he makes. He says, and this is, a, this is an academic paper. So I know Alex like loves academic papers, so that's why I put this in here for you, sir. He says, contemporary logic argues, Paul said it was a shame for a woman to have her to have her head uh, shaven or sheared, right? He, Paul did not say, he did not say she couldn't trim it. Since trimming hair is cutting off less hair than shaving or shearing uh, or cutting, you know, wh why then is, is this prohibited, okay? Long hair, this Greek word right here, kamao, thank you. This is from Brown again, and I'm going to read this right here. This is very, 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 very good, in my opinion. The early church's interpretation regarding Paul's use of kama'o and kome is remarkably uniform. In no case are these words taken to refer to hair that is long and yet cut. The consistent understanding that emerges from the extant record is that men are not to have uncut hair and women are to have uncut hair. Okay, you're not going to find that in a lot of commentaries, but this guy right here, if you read that whole paper, he's done his research. And when I look at the context of this whole chapter, it really does not make much sense to read it any other way than uncut hair. And, and this is a better picture of what we're looking at here. You've got covered, and then you've got uncovered. And un within the realm of uncovered, you've got trimmed and clipped and cut and sheared and all these things. In fact, this guy, I didn't put it in here, but he says that I looked. I tried to find a word in Greek that would even mean like clip or cut shortly. And he's like, I can't even find it. It's either cut. I mean, there's no word to say just even take off a little. It's not even there. Uh, so what this, what long hair means, what covered means is 
that which is flowing downward from your head. So when you stop the flow downward, that qualifies you as uncovered. Okay? To stop the flow downward. So, how, okay, let's just take a second here and say, well, I, I did cut my hair. I did. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how common this is, but let's just say if I were a lady and I cut my hair three years ago, I cut my hair five years ago, how do I now begin to be covered again? Well, that's very simple. You just let it grow. You stop interrupting the flow downward. It's just really simple. The length of your hair does, this is not about the length of your hair. Uh, it's not about, you know, some people's hair grows longer than others. And this is not about, you could have cut your hair yesterday. And you could just say, Jesus, now that I'm kind of seeing this, I just want to obey it. Okay, in Jesus' name, let it flow. You're covered. All right? That's what we're talking about. So this isn't about, like, ladies, be super nervous about life right now. That's not what this is about, okay? Verse 16. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. Um, so this is another way of Paul saying, this is applicable everywhere. No other churches have any other custom. So how, I wonder, can people come to this chapter and take it and say, this applied only to the Corinthians? When they say things like, taking it back to God's created order, when things are said like, if anybody has a problem with this, I want you to recognize there's no other custom in the churches of God. You can't dismiss this chapter as if it means nothing. The issue is hair. The issue is applicable to everybody. And long hair is hair which ceases to be cut. Okay? Let's, let's move on to communion really quick because I have those verses as well, but I'm almost done. I'm only going to spend 20 minutes on communion, and then we'll be done. I think that, just to just recap this whole communion thing really fast, I think that the same kind of issue is happening with communion. Why is communion an important thing? Remembrance. It symbolizes something important. So if I could put it this way, when, when they were uh, engaging in class division and engaging in this group eating first and then the poorer people eating later and all this kind of thing, that was a mockery of the symbol for which they were gathering together to engage in in the first place. So that's my point in both of these cases. Uh, the symbols matter. These symbols do matter. And these people were uh, doing things that were desecrating, if you will, the symbols. So I just want to leave you with this. And Alex, could you help me out? Could you help me out on the piano? I just want to leave you with this last uh, piece. And let's, let's just say, uh, for the sake of example, that you don't buy that long hair is uncut hair. Let's just say you don't. Okay? You say, well, there, the Bible, I'm not sure that the Bible says that exactly. Let's say that's what you hold for a second, theoretically, right? But... You would agree, would you not, that there's certainly, without a shadow of a doubt, enough here in Corinthians to say that hair is the symbol of my relationship to the created order that God has established. 
that's there's I mean so clear it's you can't even think halfway anything else so if that be true if your hair and if long hair for a lady is that symbol what what amount what length are you comfortable cutting off so if you put it in those terms now we're now we're getting to the heart issue aren't we we're not getting to like the, the technical we're getting to if this symbolizes my relationship and I want to be under protection I want to please God I want to be in obedience to God I don't want to trim my obedience away I just don't want to mess with that I just if if that's the symbol that that proves my relationship to you that's that that is enough in itself for me to say I want to be in obedience let's just let's go all the way with this fine let's, let's do it but it does mean uncut hair from the Bible and it does mean uncut hair from pastoral leadership. And, and I believe when I frame it in those terms, and you say, oh, well, this does represent that symbolic relationship to my authority, I think in your heart and in the, in the Holy Ghost realm, you're feeling it too, right? You're feeling, hey, I want to be, be in full obedience. I don't want to be in partial obedience. I don't want to trim off the edges of my obedience. I just want to be in obedience. End of story. So, I know I've, I've hit you guys a little bit hard with this stuff um, at the end there, and I've, I've, it's kind of a, it's kind of a tough chapter in a way. Uh, but let me let me just pray for you because here's the other thing: guys can have short hair and be rebellious. Ladies can have long hair and be rebellious but what what we're really going after here is what the symbol represents which is I want to obey I just want to obey I did I spoke about this before downstairs that there's a verse in the Psalms where it talks about you know don't be without understanding like the horse and the mule who need the bridle and bit to get you to obey we're not we're not I'm not trying to position this as this is the rule do it now or you're going to hell what I'm talking about here is in, the, in that same verse, it says, you know, let me guide you with my eye. Like, I think there's a, rela- a relationship, Brother Juan, that you and your kids probably have that you just give them a look. You don't always have to threaten the... Sp- uh, maybe you do have to threaten the spanking. I don't know. But once those kids get older, once you grow more mature, I believe that you should be getting to a place where it's like just a look from Dad is enough. I get it. We should be getting to a place as we mature in Jesus that just, we don't always need to hear about the punishments from the pulpit. Just, just a look. Just a look. If I think I'm about to disobey, just a look should suffice. Amen. So I'm going to pray for you guys. And, and then, uh, Brother Juan, you can do what you like. If you want to come up here, it's fine. But I want to pray for you guys and myself because we're all people. And I don't know about you, but I wake up and I don't want to just be an obedient Kevin all the time. I want to rise up sometimes when my boss is not treating me so well. Is there anybody here who's real? But in Jesus' name, help us to submit to those who are put over us. Jesus, we thank you tonight for allowing us to gather together. And it's not about our own thoughts, but we want your word and we feel your spirit here, Lord. We want to obey you from the heart, Jesus. We don't want to just resist and buck our, bow up our backs because 
we don't have chapter and verse as explicitly as we sometimes want, but Jesus, we get it. We want to be in obedience to you in every way that you're leading us by leadership, by your spirit, by your word. Help this man. Help these good people. Help us, Lord, to just push forward in obeying you from the heart. We thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. You, you do want the best for us, we know. You want the best for your people because you're a good king and a good God. We bless you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. For just a moment, I just ask you to respond in some way. Just bow your heads, lift a hand. Let's just thank God for being a good king to us.